Use your MasterCard to witness history at Rugby World Cup 2011. Mastercard.com.au. Touch judges are ready. Side of studio. Players are lined up. Microphones in hand for the restart. It's now time to fall the rock. The Sunday Rugby Show. Featuring Wallaby legends Tim Horan and Matt Burke. Qantas Wallabies. One team, 2011. Test tickets on sale now at Ticketek.com. The Rock. And coming up the blind side, Tony Grubber Kick Squires. Yes, hello, good morning and welcome to The Ruck, a very special edition. Yes, Super 15 over and done with for 2011, but that just begins. It all begins. The yellow gold jersey now on display. It's Samoa taking on the Wallabies this afternoon. We're here with you throughout the international season. As ever, we are joined uh, by Matty Burke. G'day, Matt. G'day, Tone. G'day, Tone. Uh, Timmy, how you doing, mate? Very well. Still got a bit of a hangover, though, from uh, last Saturday night. The Reds uh, sensational oh, against the Cruz. Oh, last thought, Saturday night. I thought you were going to say you've been in Bangkok. Oh, no, no. <laughs> hangover three. <laughs> Brisbane. Oh, where, where am I? Yeah, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I noticed that you are a little bit on the bleary-eyed uh, front today. <laughs> what, I thought, what, he, I thought what, he gave it away. Well, yeah. What, you, what, what was last night? Uh, well, last night was sensational. We had a, a 20-year reunion for our 1991 World Cup winning team. It was, uh, you know, Bobby Dwyer's team, the coach, and mm. Rob Edgerton and Marty Roebuck, uh, Ewan McKenzie, Rod McCall, John Eels, a, uh, a marvellous uh, array of people, all our wives and, uh, and girlfriends, or both, mm. uh, had, our, uh, had a, um, a lovely dinner together last night at ARIA. So the Australian <laughs> Rugby Union uh, flew everyone together, and it was fantastic. Yeah, the Australian Rugby Union are struggling at the moment. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow, a dinner at ARIA. So it was the first time most of us have actually seen uh, some, some of us uh, for the last sort of 20 years. And, um, you know, Nick, Michael Lyon was about the only player, apart from John Flett as well, who couldn't make it. But uh, a marvellous night. Had anybody uh, let themselves go? I mean, was there somebody who looked like they were now a publican who was once a football <laughs> player? Any you know, large gents? Well, I must say, some, some of our listeners may, may remember Cameron Lillycrap, mm-hmm. um, front rower and uh, now Unforgettable a, you know, name. fantastic uh, physiotherapist. and. Yeah, he's probably, um, I think he, uh, he's probably let himself go about a day after he finished playing. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was great to catch up with all the boys and uh, most of the guys will be at the Samoan Test match um, this afternoon and, and going to the fan day and signing some autographs. Yeah. Mate, you're talking about uh, Crapper, Lily Crap. He, he was, if you say he let, he, he let himself go, he was our physio for a while as well. Mm-hmm. So if, if you ever gave him any stick about the size of... He had these rock-hard fingers that would get in the places where you just oh, put you through the roof. And you go, oh, no. sorry, mate. No, no, mate, geez, you're in good form at the moment. <laughs> you, look, you look fantastic. Hey, Berkey, speaking of nights out, uh, it was a special one for the Waratahs this week. Named after you, I love this thing. Now, this is, is it the Matt Burke Trophy, the Matt Burke, well, what's the actual title of the event? I think it's the Matthew Burke Cup. Matthew Burke Matthew Cup. Matthew Burke Cup, yeah, That's yeah. Nice. So, which means I'm going to go to for the rest of my life uh, yeah. to, to present the award. But um, it's the recognition of the player's player. And Kirtley Beale won uh, the award after this season. And uh, pretty much on the strength of, of the back end of the season, he polled every vote uh, in the game against the Bulls when they played in Pretoria. He was just outstanding. And, yeah, he was. You know, I think at the back of that, it showed, um, I think, what a big loss is going to be for the Waratahs next year. So they've got to fill that void somehow. It's going to be, it's going to be quite difficult. Is there a Tim Horan anything? Oh, no, I don't think so. I think there's, a, <laughs> I think there's something up in uh, Toowoomba where I, uh, where I live. On the bit of Darling Downs? I think there's a little... There's something. I think there's an under-12 little 
field there somewhere, but um, no. Tim Horton Oval. Yeah, I think there's something like that. Yeah. There you go. Uh, well, well Alan Border's got an oval in Mossman, hasn't he? He's got Alan Border Field, yeah. Alan Border, Richie Bello Field Richie, yeah. on the way down past Kings there. Well, it's it? funny. Well, well, the other awards are the Brett Robinson Award for uh, the ACT Brumbies. Yeah. Uh, Stan Pilecki, uh, yeah. the great Queenslander for the award, the players player in uh, in Queensland. So. And, of course, the John Eels and medal. John Eels. We, we all know for about the Wallaby player, yep. Yeah. Well, we're going to speak to Ben Robinson, a very sad story, uh, who is not going to be playing in some and won't be playing in Rugby World Cup 2011 either. We're going to chat with him later in the program. So much ahead. Because Tim Horan is sitting next to me, uh, we need to talk scores, so I've got some for you. Merriweather, Merriweather Carlton 43 <laughs> beat Wanderers 12. Oh, that, was that was a terrific game. That was a great game. The mighty, game. The mighty Pecolban Reds 57 over Grifton 8. Uh, Griffin 8 and this Up one. The yeah, that's right. And Southern Lakes 27 beat Coalfields North, uh, nil at the beautiful Drain Oval. <laughs> when I go to watch a game of footy, I like to go to Drain. To drain Oval. Drain Oval. You want rugby? Listen to The Rock. Want to witness history? Use your MasterCard at the Rugby World Cup 2011. This is The Rock, the Sunday rugby show. Look, I've been digging around thinking, why wouldn't we give you a prize? Why wouldn't we give you the opportunity to win something this mm. week? Uh, and, and I found a terrific one. This is a prize that... Uh, Look, there's a lot of shows during the week have been trying to get their hands on this thing, but we've got it here exclusively on the ruck. It's a brilliant heart hammer worth over $35. Oh. <laughs> Nothing hits harder than a heart hammer. Truth. Uh, there's some tacklers that you guys may have run into hit harder, but uh, nothing really in your hand hits harder than a hard hammer. All you have to do, very simple, very simple equation, answer this question uh, and you're going to SMS it, your name and the answer to one triple nine one zero four nine. The question, who came third in the 1987 Rugby World Cup? Who came third in the 1987 Rugby World Cup? SMS your name, the answer to one triple nine one zero four nine, and that heart hammer will be pounding away in your hand. How exciting is that? Now, okay, there's a couple of boys who Can, can very... you take that on the field as well? Yeah, I think you can. <laughs> the Samoans will this afternoon. <laughs> will they? This afternoon at ANZ Stadium, the Wallabies are playing Samoa, and there's a couple of boys uh, who have never pulled on the Wallabies jersey before in a test match. Uh, Rod Davies gets a, a late call up because uh, James O'Connor has got a little bit of a hamstring strain and not risking him. He'd be right for the, the spring box, we're told. Mm. Uh, Nick Phipps in there at halfback, uh, his debut. You picked was, it to me, didn't you? Yeah, that's a great call up for Nick Phipps. He's, uh, he played some great rugby through super, the Super Tournament. And, uh, you know, even if Luke Burgess uh, was fit to play, I reckon Nick Phipps probably would have got a starting spot straight away. But see, he's played some great rugby with the Rebels. Yeah. I'm just wondering. Uh, I'm interested to hear from you boys. You were talking, uh, Timmy, about the 1991 World Cup winning reunion. If you go back to the, you know, the other end, that start of your career, the moment these guys, you know, they're playing Samoa at the ANZ Stadium, but they're pulling on that gold jersey. Every kid dreams about it. What was it like for you when you made your debut? Well, I, uh, well, I suppose I can talk about two debuts. One was uh, for Queensland when I played uh, my first game for the Queensland Reds. Uh, it was actually against Western Samoa in Samoa and right. uh, in Arpia. <laughs> And there was about uh, 26 people watching the game, pouring <laughs> rain. Uh, but my, my first game uh, for the Wallabies was against uh, the All Blacks. So um, I'd actually sat on the bench for a couple of weeks for the British and Irish Lions when I was about 18. And then uh, we played this uh, All Black team that was just awesome in sort of 1989 in, at uh, Eden Park in Auckland. I remember lining up, waiting to run out and looking next to me, but she used to run out together and, and seeing Richard Lowe and seeing Sean Fitzpatrick and Zinzan Brook and how big these guys were. And I'd never heard of the All Blacks. So yeah. uh, I'd come sort of virtually sort of year out of school and playing for the Wallabies and just that experience of, of playing against them and then coming off. I remember sitting in the, in the dressing shed next to uh, Michael Liner and saying, God, this is the only test match I'm ever going to get. And then um, Joe Stanley, actually, who was my op- opposing centre, walked into our dressing shed 
and took off his All Black jersey and gave it to me. Oh, and no. I thought, oh, that's fantastic. And I thought of half taking mine off, thinking, oh, I don't want to give it away because I'm only yeah. going to get one of them. Yeah. He said, no, no, you keep yours. Oh. Um, this is this is my All Black jersey for your first test match. And sat down and had a couple of beers. And that was in the amateur wow. days. It was fantastic. Did you? What was the, the um, process in those days when you were facing the Harker? Was it the same as it become where you know the Australian team sits around in their in their you know tracky dacks and faces the Harker <laughs> and then then scares the crap out of them with Walsing Matilda? Is, is that what was that? Was that your theory then? Well, we stood, up, we, stood, isn't it? we stood up to the Harker. And it was uh, it's it's a great occasion. Like you, you got the best seat in the house, and you only yeah. realise that towards the end of your career that. You know, people pay a couple hundred bucks to actually sit in a corporate mm. box and drink their champagne, whereas we, we're five metres away and sometimes a metre away if you walk a bit closer. And um, You know, most of the time I used to stand opposite Frank Bunce because Frank Bunce played a little bit for Western Samara in his early career, mm. then played for the All Blacks, so he didn't really know the words to the Harker. So you just, you'd face <laughs> up to him so he wouldn't frighten you that much. What about, go, go another step further, Tim, you look around, because you're supposed to square off, and, and we've walked away and, and, and done stuff at the back of the field and we got beaten 43-6 that day, but yeah. so we thought... Yeah, let's front up to them. And as you stand there, you, you get them in the eyes. And as they start off, you know, they're, they're slapping the leg, and you look around and go, right. And, you, and all of a sudden, you just catch, say, Jonah Loma, and you go, oh, I'll, I'll get off him. And then you go to Tana and go, oh, no, I'll get off him. And then you find Andrew Mertens and go, yeah, I've got you, mate. I've got you. My, my, first, my first test, though, was uh, in South Africa, against South Africa, I should say, uh, in Sydney. Like Tim, I sat on the bench for the first day, in, uh, first game in Queensland. Uh, didn't get on that game. And then I, I got a start. Nearly scored a try uh, mm-hmm. from a Campisi pass that sort of floated over. I'm thinking, I'm going to be a hero. And then this bloke on my left picks it up and scores a try. And <laughs> thanks for coming. <laughs> but I dropped the ball. I reckon one of the second or third times I touched it, I touched it. Um, uh, a kick coming back from their, their try line. South Africa were kicking the ball out. All I could do was catch it and pass it. Marty Roebuck was on my right-hand side saying, mate, catch the ball and go. We'll catch the ball. We'll count. We'll count. We'll catch the ball. First thing you've got to do is catch the ball, don't you? It went straight through my arms. And 40,000 people have gone, oh. <laughs> and so I remember thinking, there, like, what do I do? I mean, the, 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 the footy just, do I go to the ball? No, no, I walk away. No, I go to the ball. No. And I looked at the, I looked at the grandstand. I looked at the crowd and, and the boys where they're sitting in the, in the, um, in the dugout there. And I thought, I'll just get a bit of love from those guys there. And I looked at Dan Crowley, and he's got his hands around his throat going, oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Great introduction to world uh, rugby. It's funny, though. The, the, uh, the new generation of Wallabies now, like, they've been in camp now for sort of a whole week. And they probably have a pretty quiet week. They train two or three times a day. They have video sessions. They have meetings after meetings. Remember one of my first test matches, we used to camp at Wollongong. And we only got, got into camp three days before the game. Mm. And the great captain at the time, Nick Farr-Jones, who um, great leader, and he, he said to me yeah, on a Thursday night at sort of 6 o'clock, said, Tim, jump on this cab with me. I said, oh, yep, yeah, no worries, Nick. Yes, sir. We went to the Dapto Dogs and had about 30 beers <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a Thursday night before a test match. It was a great welcome. You want rugby? Listen to The Rock. Want to witness history? Use your MasterCard at the Rugby World Cup 2011. This is The Rock, the Sunday rugby show. Uh, we're talking about debuts, test debuts, with Tim Horan and Matt Burke. There's a few boys who are making their debut for the Wallabies this afternoon when they play Samara at ANZ Stadium. It is, not disappointing, but... And there's a huge venue in terms of atmosphere. I would love to have seen this game played at the SFS, really. E- every other test match, apart from be. the All Blacks, should be played here at... Um, in Sydney. In Sydney, yeah. at the stadium up the road. Because the Sydney Football the, Stadium. The Sydney Football Stadium is just a great, great yeah. uh, place to play rugby. Because especially when you get this afternoon. There might be 30,000, probably maybe close to 40,000. But yeah. you, you would get a sellout yep. um, up the road here at the Sydney Football Stadium. And yep. people go to the pubs. The whole... Uh, watching the game is one third yep. of the whole occasion. Um, exactly you know, right. Drinks and dinner beforehand, and then bringing your kids along. And you know. do you remember when we used to, we used to do it? And uh, you play that two o'clock game in the afternoon on a Sunday, 
and then you'd head down, and I'm not promoting, um, I'm promoting responsible drinking here, but then you'd, mm-hmm. you'd walk down to the pubs, and you'd go down to Five Ways and a bit down the, you know, a bit further on Oxford Street and the rest of it. And you just play catch up. It was fantastic because <laughs> everyone else was already loaded up. But yeah. it was just a great atmosphere. There obviously is a contractual contractual yeah, arrangement going on. There's two test matches a year yeah. that has to be played at ANZ Stadium. So, but I think that that'll have to change because it would have been smaller di- games. It would have been difficult this afternoon. Of course, this, the, the Sydney Swans are playing the SCG, so traffic congestion would have been shocking around traffic. there. Traffic in Sydney, traffic. as you know. <laughs> All right, now I was uh, talking about match payments. I'm just reading here about the Qantas Wallabies, what's going to happen with their payment. Match payments, and they've agreed to this, will be reduced from around $13,000 to a flat $10,000 for pool games in the Rugby World Cup and $11,000 for knockout matches at uh, Rugby World Cup. Now, they, there's a bonus. Here's They've agreed to this reduction so that they can make way for this bonus payment, which would be $110,000 for each player if they, uh, they claim Rugby World Cup. When you debuted, what little piece of cash was going into the kitty? <laughs> I think the manager shouted us a couple of beers and a phone call home. New Zealand. But I think I think that's fair enough. I think the players, for, for all our listeners, so they will receive $25,000 if they win the semi-final. So nothing if they actually make the semi-final. They've yeah. got to win the semi-final, get, pick up $25,000. And that if they win the final, then another $85,000. So I think that's fair enough. I think it's, um, it's a big occasion and it's, it's worth a lot to the Australian Rugby Union. And by the players reducing their match fee, that allows the Australian Rugby Union to have a bit more in the kitty for those um, the bonuses. What about when... when- it was the amateur today, and Timmy started the amateur today. I started the amateur today. And if you wanted to make the phone call, as you said, or watch a movie, you go to the captain's room because the captain room got the captain got his account paid for by the manager. Really? So there'd be twenty blokes in there making phone calls back home or watching a movie at the same time. Keep your room free from everything, and you just well up to there on tours. Tony, we we, we used to get thirty two dollars every day allowance. So um, that would pay for two pints of Guinness and, yeah, a half a phone call home. <laughs> 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 uh, those were the days. Yeah, what about us, this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with uh, New Zealand being the venue for Rugby World Cup, England has announced that they are going to – every team has to have an alternate strip. Obviously, there could mm. be games where the, the first jersey clashes. Yep. Uh, so they have decided that their alternate strip will be all black. They're coming to New Zealand Interesting, isn't it? for Rugby World Cup. And their alternate strip is all black. As you'd imagine, the New Zealand uh, New Zealanders are a little bit peeved about this. It just seems a nonsense to me. Well, I think straight up you look at it, and it's a it's purely a marketing thing, isn't it? It's yeah. Adidas versus Nike. Nike, um, and if you remember back to the Six Nations, they all they remember England put out a um, uh, like a, a thanks for coming. We've won the Grand Slam, the rest of it, and they lost that last game against Ireland. So that backfired on them. Now they, they've t- they've spoken about going through the right avenues because they need a, a reverse strip, and mm. you know I it, I tell you what the supporters the supporters won't be happy because the the supporters in two thousand three World Cup uh, here in Australia there was a sea of white everywhere at the final, yeah. and 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 their supporters are. Uh, are great tourists, and they'll be travelling New Zealand. And they, they don't want to. Buy, they don't want to wear black. They want no. to wear white with mm. the uh, you know St George Cross. Well, know. exactly. I think they're, they're they're talking about when they play a team like Argentina, or whatever, where yeah. there's you know uh, what could be seen as a clash in colours or similarity in colours. I, I suppose that they're wearing that, and they'll be wearing in, in most pool games they will be wearing the white. But it still seems ridiculous. If you're going to choose an alternative, I mean, you're you're a team that has what you've got red, white, and blue. I mean, you you've got plenty of options to go for if you're England rather than going for black. And where does black <laughs> appear anywhere? Well, they've, they've, they've they came out with um, the last couple of uh, I read last night uh, an, an anthracite colour with that you know that yeah that what colour is anthracite greyish sort of colour that was sort of it was like it was like when you played a really tough game of footy in the mud and they washed the jersey and it loses that colour you know what I mean it's one of those yeah. ones 
Uh, they've gone to purple, mm-hmm. um, and they've also, I think they're wearing now the two warm-up games against Wales and against Ireland. They're wearing the black jersey. So they're, they're pushing it. They, they, mm. they want to get out there. See, I, I love the fact that it's anthracite because rugby referees usually refer to the team as their colour, even if it's <laughs> yes. in international. So it's, you know, Wallaby, gold number 12 against you. <laughs> Anthracite number 13, <laughs> penalties against you. If, the player, if he had a bit of a lisp, he would have been anthracite. <laughs> He'd be struggling, wouldn't he? This is The Ruck, your Sunday rugby show. You want rugby? Listen to The Ruck. Want to witness history? Use your MasterCard at the Rugby World Cup 2011. This is The Ruck, the Sunday rugby show. I'm looking across the desk at Tim Horan. Uh, he had the Tim Horan, when he was playing, uh, Matt, he had the ability to back up beautifully, and he's done it again this morning. <laughs> uh, he's backed up after a celebration last night, the night. 1991 World Cup winning mm. Wallaby side gathered at Aria. Very, for those who haven't been there, very zhuzhy joint. This is top of the line. <laughs> You're coming from Brisbane, mate, that's a big call, isn't it? I know. Well, look, I was going to say, did you not realise that the shiny stuff on the table was cutlery? No, no, <laughs> <was> going on. <laughs> Backing up for a big night, though, it's only about two beers for Timmy, so that's all right. One of the boys next to me had some uh, salmon. He said, oh, this, this meat's not cooked. <laughs> <laughs> so you're there for your 1991 reunion. Now... There was a pretty interesting story came out of that, wasn't there, the 1991 Yeah, World well, Cup. obviously, uh, Nick Farr-Jones was our captain. He was there last night again. And David Campese, uh, player of the tournament, scored about six or seven tries in the tournament. And uh, it was funny, when we came back for the ticker tape parade back here in Sydney and we uh, went down sort of on the Ford Capris back then down the uh, George Street, um, I remember a, a guy coming up, dad with a little baby in his arms, and uh, went across to Nick Farr-Jones and said, I've just named my baby after you and David Campese. No. And Nick's going, oh, fantastic. You know, how is the young fella? Oh, no, it's a girl. You what? Know? <laughs> and her name, her name, Harriet Elizabeth yeah. Nicola Far-Jones Davina Campisi Wallaby Geddes. And she no. would be about 19 years old now, probably going to uni. Oh. And um, all the mates come. What is going on with all your middle names? <laughs> Does anybody know this? Have you? Do we know that she's still around and still has those names? I hope she likes she... rugby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, not rugby league or <laughs> netball. Or that is brilliant. I'd love to. I'd love to catch up. We'll with get her maybe, on the show. Maybe we'll get her on the show. We will, as part of the rucks. Uh, you know what we do. We Harriet, if you're, if you're listening mm-hmm. and you just got home, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. give us a call or we'll get you on the show in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> she would have got home now too. She would have tucked it away. <laughs> love to talk to you, Harriet. Now, uh, speak. Speaking of the 1991 and winning the World Cup, you, I read in the paper today, Timmy, have said that this, the feeling associated with this World Cup and this Wallaby side, there's some similarities in how much they, you think they possibly can do. Well, you need momentum going into a World Cup. This, this side has got momentum after the Queensland Reds and, and, and to a certain extent the Waratahs performed. So I think you need that sort of momentum going into the World Cup. The, the, the Bulls um, in 2007 won the Super Rugby competition and then they, the South African team, went on to win the World Cup. So momentum's important, but they got you need five or six. Bob Dewey used to always say you need five or six guys who are world-class players and will be picked in any World 15 in your team. So you look at Beal, Genia, Cooper, O'Connor, um, you know, Pocock. There's five, yep. and you could p- probably pick another one or two. So... Um, I don't think you can lose Genia. The next guy down from Will Genia, take nothing away from Phipps and Burgess, you can't lose Will Genia. You can lose a couple other players, but they've got a team there that's uh, pretty strong, Berkey. What did he say to you, mate, uh, being not world-class? What, what what category were you in? I was B-class, yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> but, the, the B team on the way through. But, but, but it's so true, though. And then the, the other guys from there are good international players. The other guys there sort of make up numbers. They're obviously good players. Um, it's interesting when you look at this team, though, uh, that's going to come out this afternoon against Samoa. How many of those guys will be the starting guys in the next week, say South Africa and New Zealand, um, when they've got a squad of 40. So 
Uh, I thought I thought he would have thrown everyone in just to get the combinations going ready. Uh, well, I think Berkey, I think he was going to until the Reds went all the way. Sure, that, they yeah. need a break. I mean, Quade Cooper needs a break. Any does. I mean, Rod Davies um, was injured there for a little while back, so he's on the wing now. But um, I, mean, I think it's great that Adam Ashley Cooper's there. Uh, Pat McCabe gets a great opportunity inside centre. We're going to be having a chat with uh, Scott Wiseman in a minute. He's the uh, one of the assistant coaches for the Samoan team. But I noticed that. Um, James O'Connor is out as well with a um, yeah, with hamstring a hamstring injury. Yeah. I wonder if that hamstring just um, got a little twinge this week when he realised his opponent was 110 kilos <laughs> on the way. <laughs> what are the games? These are the games you go, uh, my, t- my calf's a bit tight. Uh, bit coach, t- I'm, I'm, I'm watching. Yeah, <laughs> have a rest for this one. They do have uh, some decisions uh, making because the back line potentially for the Wallabies is so special, isn't it, and exciting, and that brand of rugby they play. I guess the things, a World Cup played in New Zealand where it could be wet, could be cold, that, you know, the forward power will be so important, and we do have gone through 15 uh, props before we even yeah. started mm-hmm. playing, which is a bit of a bummer. But the question of where he will play someone like James o- O'Connor is interesting, isn't it, to see how the makeup of that back line uh, shapes up. Yeah, I think James O'Connor, a very individual type of player, and that's why I think uh, Robbie Deans was selecting him on the wing for today's game. Obviously, as we said, out with injury now. But um, w- when he plays at 10 or 12 for the Western Force, he doesn't seem to ignite the back line um, as much as you, you would like. Um, individual type of player. Um, so on the wing or at 15 is his best spot. So that he, then, he can go anywhere there, basically. Oh, okay. He's got to yeah. be in the 15. He's got to be in the back line. Uh, but where do you put him is a tricky um, occasion. Where someone like Anthony Fanga... Yep. He's always been Quade Cooper's bodyguard throughout the season um, at 12 and at 13. So it'll just come down to the breakdown. It's interesting, when you, Tim, when you say that. You're right. He, he sticks at, at wing and fullback, and he can roam around the field and go from there. But, you know, sometimes the 15 best players don't make the best team, so to speak. You know, you, you, you need some guys. If they're, out, if they're playing out of position, they just don't know the, the ins and outs sometimes. So the, the combinations, like today, when you look through uh, 10, 12, and 13, Giddo, McCabe, and Cooper, the, the, the ACT guys, yep. They will be able to control somewhat of the game through their their own combinations. But um, you're right, though. If if you have the best players in in there, sometimes it's difficult to fit them in around the, in their in their spots. I tell you what, I'm, I'm looking forward to Sidaleki Tamani playing. Like seeing yeah. him come out in a Wallaby gold jersey yeah. after the season he's had will be fantastic. You want rugby? Listen to the Rock. Want to witness history? Use your Mastercard at the Rugby World Cup 2011. This is the Rock. The Sunday Rugby Show. It gives me great pleasure now to welcome to the microphone a man who has been uh, a Wallabies skills coach. He's now the assistant coach at Samoa who are taking on the Wallabies this afternoon. His name is Scott Wisemantle. Scott, g'day. G'day, how's things? Oh, good, mate. Before we get on to the footy and how the Samoans are feeling uh, ahead of today's game, uh, born in beautiful Lennox Head, did you spend some time at Lake Ainsworth, the tea tree lake there? <laughs> yes, yes, I've been to uh, Lake Ainsworth. Very good. You get silky hair, you know. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's good for the skin, good all that sort of thing. Soft water, yeah. E- exactly, exactly. Very good for the complexion. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Scotty, Timmy here. How are you going with all the names of the Samoan guys? Mate, are you, is, it, is, it, is it a lot of mate going on, or is there... Uh, I see Paul... I see, <laughs> I see Paul Williams at 15. That's uh, that's not right. He shouldn't be selected with a name like that. Uh, yeah, he, he was my go-to early in the week, Timmy. Um, it was, everything was, Paul, what do you think of that? Um, yeah, so well, I've got a bit more relaxed with it with uh, names like Tussie Pissy and, uh, and, and, and uh, Mapasua and uh, we've got, obviously, uh, Alasana Tuyalangi. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Well, yeah. I was, was going to say, mate, so you get those guys now. They've been playing the Pacific Nations Cup, and I think you've been uh, doing some sort of direction with those guys. But you get all the overseas players. You get the UK guys coming through, and also now someone like uh, Fotoli'i, who's been playing for Canterbury as well. 
Yeah, it was an interesting week because we had uh, 15 uh, players from Europe and Japan uh, uh, who were in early in the week and then the balance of the squad, so the remaining seven players, came in Thursday afternoon. So they played on Wednesday against Tonga and then uh, and then they arrived on Thursday afternoon with their head coach. So it's been an interesting week. So, mate, what, so just for our listeners, so that everyone understands, so these players don't actually play in Western Samoa in a competition. They all play over in in Europe somewhere and up for other professional clubs, and then they're brought together as one. Yep, yeah, that's exactly right. So they're um, they're all professional players from all around the world. We've got some from France, we've got some from the UK, some in Japan, and obviously some um, in the Southern Hemisphere competition. So they all get together and um, and then they play. So this is our first game in the build-up, I suppose, to the World Cup. So they'll be together now right through to the World Cup. Mate, two things. A, how pumped are they about this afternoon's game? And B, in terms of skill, you're doing skills coaching, where are they at skills-wise? Um, yeah, yeah, it's couple of good questions. Um, so the first one is they're, they're really, really pumped about today. Like They're excited because uh, as a Tier 2 nation, they don't get many shots at Tier 1 nations. Yep. So um, they're, they're, they're extremely excited about that. And secondly, look, skill levels are outstanding. The, the problem is um, under fatigue, how they go. Uh, we've got a lot of players who haven't played for six or seven weeks. So that, look, they'll, they'll be good in the early parts. We've just got to be smart with our replacements. Well, it, what about when you got together? What was the bonding session like? <laughs> Mate, it was around the bistro, and it was frightening. Um, I, tell, I, tell, I tell you now, you don't get in the way of these blokes and food. Uh, uh, I've never seen anything like it. It's like a thrashing machine when you see them at the bistro. So, uh, Scotty, a lot of these guys, Sundays, because there's a lot of you know religious blokes in these terms, a lot of them don't play on Sundays usually. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So if you go back to, uh, um, say... Uh, like Michael Jones, who yeah. uh, is Samoan, played for Samoa and also the All Blacks, yeah. uh, would not play on a Sunday. But um, uh, we've been doing lots of praying this week and, and we're allowed to play on Sunday, apparently. So that's good. <laughs> that's good. Scott, lovely to talk to you. Good luck for this afternoon. Hope you enjoy it. And I think perhaps during Rugby World Cup, you could take him to Lake Ainsworth, a good kind of camp within striking distance of New Zealand. Soft hair, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The only question is whether they can swim or not. So, yeah. <laughs> Scott, right. nice battle. lovely to talk to you. Thanks for being part of the Rock. See you, gents. There he goes. You want rugby? Listen to The Rock. Want to witness history? Use your MasterCard at the Rugby World Cup 2011. This is The Rock, the Sunday rugby show. And with the uh, with Rugby World Cup 2011 just a breath away, we have been helping you out over the past few weeks. Just letting you know some information about some of the minnows, those countries that you may not know a lot about. We thought we'd go one step further for the next few weeks and find not stuff not just about the team, but exact brilliant moments in rugby gone by, this time featuring the might of Namibia and Australia. October 25, 2003. A day that will go down in history as one of rugby's proudest moments. It was the day one of the most enthralling Rugby World Cup games of all time took place. World Cup minnows, Namibia, coming off losses to Argentina and Ireland by a combined total of 110 points, fought against the might of two-time Rugby World Cup champions, Australia. With such a high mountain to climb, 
Many said it was the game they couldn't win, but Namibia weren't going to lay down easy. As they strode onto the field, their studs piercing the hallowed Adelaide Oval turf. You could sense that something special was brewing, and what 33,000 screaming rugby fanatics bore witness to was indeed truly historic. Namibia, the team many said would stand no chance against the might of Australia, gave every ounce of themselves to the rugby gods. No tackle was without blood, no pass without a hiss of speed, and no ruck without the unmistakable sound of bone-crushing bone. Such was Namibia's desire to play attacking, attractive and productive rugby. The almighty Minnows conceded a mere total of 22 tries. Five to Chris Latham, three each to Lottie Takiri and Matt Giddo, two each to Morgan Turanui and Matt Rogers, one each to David Lyons, Sterling Woodlock, Jeremy Paul, Nathan Gray, John Rowe and Matt Burke. And finally, one superb penalty try. In what is still the largest Rugby World Cup loss of all time, the might of Namibia bravely gave their heart, body, mind and soul to the sport of rugby, losing 142 to nil. They said it was the game they couldn't win. They were right. <laughs> There it is, the might of Namibia, and it was so good to see the try, hear the try by Matt Burke. The last try, was it, Matty? It, it wasn't far from it, and I nearly butchered it as well. I thought 142 <laughs> points, I've got to score a try, I've got to get something. And you did. We'll have another great moment in Minnow Rugby next week. This is The Ruck. You want rugby? Listen to The Ruck. Want to witness history? Use your MasterCard at the Rugby World Cup 2011. This is The Ruck, the Sunday rugby show. Now, we did give away this wonderful heart hammer worth over $35. Mm. That's a lot of hammer. Uh, nothing hits harder, apparently. Uh, Joe from Croydon Park has picked up the hammer. He answered this question, who came third in the 1987 Rugby World Cup? It was Wales beating cool. Australia 22 22- 21. That was in Rotorua, if I can remember. Rotorua. And David, right. David Cody. Hammer coming your way. Was captain Was <laughs> captain of the Wallabies and got sent off. Da- really? Yep. Did he? David mm. Cody, captain of the Wallabies, sent off yeah. and they they lose. Mm. Wow. Remember the, uh, the, um, the semi-final? The French yep. game. The French game here at uh, Concord Oval. Mm. Correct. So the French beat the Wallabies on the death. Well, you get two hammers. Can I? Yeah, <laughs> two hammers for you. So there you go. We'll give you another chance next week. All right, just wrapping up then, you've got some schoolboys uh, news there. Well, yeah. just going to let everyone know the Australian schoolboys side uh, has got a couple of games coming up uh, in the next few months, but Australia, they'll play England and St. Ignatius College, Riverview, uh, about the 28th of August, so a long way away, but we'll refresh that. And then another one against the, um, the All Blacks at Knox Grammar. Uh, about the 8th of October. So the um, the schoolboys championship was in Queensland last week. I think Queensland won, beat New South Wales won. When you say so you think, you know. You know. Yes, yes. Yeah. So they, yeah, they came home well. But there's some amazing schoolboy talent there and uh, and that'll be they'll be the next crop of the Wallabies. Isn't it funny you talk about the All Blacks at the, at the top of the show and they're playing the junior schoolboy team, but they call them the All Blacks then. That's where yes. the, the fear starts. And the aura know? starts. Exactly yeah. right. But they're not. They're just schoolboys. Just schoolboys. School All right, then, today, Massive. the Wallabies and Samoa, what do you think? Will it be close at all? Oh, I think the uh, I think probably the first 30 or 40 minutes might be close, depending on the weather as well. If the weather holds out, I think the Wallabies will get away by 31 points is my tip. But i tell you what, for the Samoan team, um, look out for the number 11, Tuolangi. He is brilliant. I played against his older brother, and, mate, he is massive. And then also the number 12, Mapasua, a very good player. Was He was the number one European player two years ago. Beautiful. 
Those, I was going to say, those guys, Tim, you just mentioned those two blokes. I've played them against them as well. When you leave Australia, you think, I don't want to play those blokes anymore. And then all of a sudden, they end up at the same like, the same competition. You think, oh, God. I'll tell you what, this is the team. When you play a side like Western Samoa, I'll tell you what, you, your quick hands comes into play. <laughs> Watch out here they come. Catch and pass. Enjoy your rug room. Uh, just remembering, of course, the big game, uh, the Pacolban Reds 57 beat Griffin 8 at Danga Park. There you go. That's the ruck for this week. We'll catch up again next Sunday. Enjoy your rugby. Bye-bye. Use your MasterCard to witness history at Rugby World Cup 2011. MasterCard.com.au